Are you a Dragon Boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Water Sports makes high-performance, lightweight, carbon-fiber Dragon Boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the Dragon Boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK. Strokeside Designs is a New York-based fine jewelry company focused on water sports. This is the best jewelry I have found through many years of searching. I love my Dragon Boat Paddle Heart earrings and my pendant. The jewelers at Strokeside Designs have worked for famous jewelry houses such as Tiffany & Company and Cartier. All of the pieces are hand-finished from fine materials. Express your passion for kayaking, canoeing, and dragon boating. Visit PaddleJewelry.com and get free shipping with the code PINK. That is PaddleJewelry.com and enter the code PINK. Stephanie McLeod Estevez, a breast cancer survivor and art therapist, joined me on the podcast today to share her story behind the pink ribbon. Stephanie shares her family history of breast cancer, her own diagnosis, as well as her treatments. She also talked about how losing her mother led her into a career as an art therapist, which was deeply healing for her as she learned how to support others through creativity. Take a listen in as Stephanie shares her story. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with Stephanie McLeod Estevez. She is an art therapist. She was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 40 in 2014. She was diagnosed with stage three triple negative and also has a BRCA2 mutation. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about your story. Um, I mean, you were 40 when you were diagnosed, which is really the age when most people are being recommended, well, depending on on standards. But, um, you know, most people are kind of being recommended or recognized as potentially needing mammograms. So where does your story start? So my story starts a little earlier than that um, because of my family's cancer history. And so um, both my mom and my maternal aunt were diagnosed at 43 with breast cancer. And so when I was about 30, my my PCP recommended that I sit down with a geneticist um, and breast health specialist. And so I started having mammograms, I believe at 30, um, at least had one before having children. And then, um, and then went through having the children process. And so I feel like I had one official mammogram prior to discovering that I had breast cancer. So, you know, thinking about 30, that was about 2004. Um, Yes. You know, at that time, uh, genetic testing really wasn't popular. 
if you will. Right. Yeah. I was eligible based on the history that I gave the geneticist, but decided not to go forward with the testing at that time. Okay. And part of it was sort of my personality. I was like, you know, I kind of wanted to know a definitive yes or no. And I'm in many respects, I think it was the right choice for me because I was still really grieving for my mom. And I think if I had known at that time that I was BRCA2 positive, I might have decided not to become a mother myself. Mm. And I'm really glad that I became a mom, you know, even though my children do run the risk of having the mutation and of, you know, early I can can relate to that. Um, And I appreciate you saying that because, you know, there are so many people out there and, you know, it's really easy for me now to sit on this side of it and say, oh, I wish I had known. I wish I had known. I didn't have children when I was diagnosed, but the moment that they told me that I was BRCA2 positive was the moment that I decided I was not having kids. Yeah, exactly. And it's such a personal decision. And I just just want to honor how everybody comes to that. But I know for myself, I might have, it would, yeah, you know, I, I think if I had shortchanged myself because of the fear of what my kids would go through, mm-hmm. I, you know, that, that might not have been, you know, I might have regretted that. But yeah. It was around the Angelina Jolie time that I started thinking about it again, like, oh, maybe I should figure out whether or not I have the mutation Um, and, you know, didn't do it and, you know, until I actually was diagnosed with cancer. And then that was part of the treatment plan of like figuring out you know, what sort of surgery I might want to do, so on and so forth. Right. Well, and realistically, I think that, um, you know, what they would have done differently probably isn't anything different than what you had already been doing. Exactly. They were like, we could sign you up based on your health history for preventative hysterectomy and uh, mastectomy (laughs) at 30. Let's slow that roll. (laughs) Yeah. And I really honor, I mean, you know, I've worked with some previvors in my therapy practice and what I find interesting because I think we always want to believe that knowing that information somehow is going to save us not only from getting cancer, but from the emotional ramifications. And quite right. truthfully, what I've seen is it's very similar. Oh, absolutely. You know? And so, you know, in this, you know, we always have these sort of naivete around, oh, if I only knew. But it's like, you know what? <laughs> it doesn't make it any easier, quite honestly. No. It might give you a few opportunities to reduce your risk, which is great, but you know, it is what it is. And the emotional trauma is still there. I've had a couple of survivors on the show and, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because they're a population that, you know, they don't have the support around them. Right. Cancer survivors do. Exactly. Exactly. So hopefully over time that will change as people, as more and more women become survivors. Um, but yes, I agree. It's, it's hard. They have additional, you know, survivor guilt um, that many of us struggle with anyways. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, you had been going and, and um, getting your mammograms and doing all of that. Yes. And, you know, for 10 years, it seemed to be okay. Yeah. You know, things were fine. 
And then, Until I had a dream that I had breast cancer. Oh, <laughs> no. I, yeah, it was crazy. And then I woke up the following day and I found the lump. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And that was pretty crazy. And I remember at the time sort of thinking wistfully, like, well, perhaps this is like a caffeine cyst. <laughs> <laughs> And I had really bad insurance. Uh, you know, I knew that was going to change within like two months. So I was like, I'll stop drinking coffee and maybe it will go away. But it didn't. It oh. got much bigger. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, first of all, like just to have a, a dream about it. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, that that to me is very fascinating. Um, yes. You know, in terms of. Yeah. I mean, I won't dive too deep into that rabbit hole, but I do believe, I know. <laughs> um, you know, that sometimes we do get information from our dreams and yes. you know, that, uh, that it can definitely guide you. And, and certainly, yes. you know, that happened for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine that when you call, they really weren't like stalling. Um, no, I mean, it was like, it was interesting. Like I, was switching primary care doctors. So I kind of scheduled everything for when my new insurance would kick in. Um, but once she felt that lump, it was like the next day I had, you know, the mammogram scheduled. And from there, they're like, hey, should we hold you for an ultrasound? And then they're like, well, perhaps we should do a core um, needle biopsy. So it was like a five-hour oh. Yeah. experience the following day, but I really appreciated that, you know, that they were able to see me so quickly. Oh, absolutely. Um, because, you know, three or four days later than I knew for sure it was right. breast cancer. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is definitely exhausting. Um, yes. You know, I've had it, I've had it kind of both ways um, because I sought out a second opinion for something else. Yes. Um, and it was just, you know, five hours of testing, testing, testing. <laughs> right. Um, yes. Yeah. So that's, that's, um, that's tough. So, so, you know, I did talk that it was stage three, so it was pretty yes. significant. Um, yeah, yeah. And at that point I would imagine it probably had already gone into the lymph nodes. It had. Yeah. Okay. I think ultimately they, it was like three lymph nodes were infected. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then um, and then also triple negative. Um, yes. So, what was their recommended course of action? They wanted to do chemo first, um, in part just to see. First of all, the tumor was huge, um, and so they were, you know, at the time. I mean, I so the one thing my mom didn't do was have a mastectomy. So I had always had it in the back of my mind that. If I was ever diagnosed with breast cancer, I would absolutely make sure to do that. So I was fairly resolute as to wanting that surgical option, but my doctors really were concerned about the size of the tumor and they wanted to see whether or not chemo would be effective in killing it. So we did chemo first and that was like, what was it? The whole red devil, the adriamycin with... Um, cytoxin and then taxol and carboplatin. Um, and so that was about five months of hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, it was crazy. And I was so disappointed. Like I couldn't actually complete 
all of the recommended treatment because I, my body towards the end just wouldn't take anymore. And I'm, I have that little personality of like, I like to complete the things I set out to do. <laughs> I have to finish this. <laughs> I need to do it. And my, my oncologist who I love was like, look, she's like, actually, like you've completed the amount of treatment that we used to recommend. So she's like, it's kind of arbitrary. Yes, we do these, we do this research so on and so forth. But she's like, we have to also listen to what your body is telling us. Um, And when they did the bilateral mastectomy, that chemo was effective in killing the cancer that they had found. Um, And then they discovered in my right breast, so the tumor was my left, and then the right breast, when they did the mastectomy, they found stage zero breast cancer starting to form there. And then I was like, that second layer of betrayal that you go, like, how did that manage to continue to grow? Right. You know, and my oncologist was like, well, don't worry about it. Like, you know, it probably was some chemo resistant form, but you removed it. That's what we would have wanted to do anyways. And, and like, I understood that piece, but it took me quite a while. I think I had that conversation with her, like, (laughs) I don't even know how many times just to process. It's hard to understand. Yeah. You know, you're, yes. you're thinking, okay, here I am taking, you know, I'm I'm getting chemotherapy and the mm-hmm. whole purpose behind chemotherapy is to kill cancer cells. Yes. How on earth did one other, you know, how, to, how on earth did other cancers start to develop? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I would struggle yeah. to wrap my head around that too. Yeah. It I mean, was... I, it was I would probably guess that it's pretty rare that that happens. Yeah. But still at the same time, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, I would find that to be just heartbreaking to be quite honest. Yeah. Just super, you know, so disconcerting. I mean, I, I think coping with uncertainty, coping with all those realities of like, what cancer shows you in terms of your ability to be in control and blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, it really, um, it took a while to get through it and, you know, but, but ultimately I I sort of came to peace and obviously was very happy that I decided for the double mastectomy because they were like, I mean, once they knew I was BRCA positive, they were, um, highly recommending that. But as you know, probably like, you know, research shows if you don't have that genetic marker, you know, lumpectomies or single mastectomies are, you know, on par with right double mastectomies in terms of effectiveness. But I was like, well, I'm just glad I don't get it off, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the moment that you have that identified gene mutation, mm-hmm. it, it's yes. a whole different shift. Um, yes. You know, in terms of, and for me, it was one of those things where I didn't even know that it was something that existed. Um, Right. Okay. Yeah. So So you were totally blindsided by that. Yeah. I mean, I knew I had family that had cancer, um, different Mm -hmm. types of cancer, but yeah, it was, um, you know, the the conversations changed really fast when that BRCA2 mutation um, was was found. So. Yeah. 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 And then. Yeah. 
and when I got reconstruction, you know, cause they want to take my ovaries. And so I was like, okay, I want my, I want my new boobs on <laughs> while you're taking, you know, if you're going to rem- remove one huge part of my femininity, at least we can like take out these stupid expanders <laughs> and give me some decent fake boobs. <laughs> yeah. So how soon after your mastectomy, did you have the, the hysterectomy, oophorectomy? I, well, I did radiation after the mastectomy because it was, um, had gone into the lymph nodes. So that, um, so it was about six months from that ending that I had my final surgery. Okay. Yeah. And then by any impact from the radiation, I feel like radiation is such a little bitch. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Right. I know (laughs) the little B word. It's, I was I was pretty fortunate in that I didn't experience extreme fatigue and my skin did pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, So that piece was nice, but, you know, uh, definitely I still contend with a lot of, um, you know, tightness and then rib pain. Um, And my, you know, I've worked a lot on my range of motion, but I feel like all of that is made worse by the radiation. and then there's always that heart health com- concern yes. because it was my left side. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, but, you know, I, on, this, on the same thing of things, I'm like five years out. And for TNBC, that's a big marker. Um, so I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I feel like um, radiation is kind of sneaky, you know. Yes. Um, because yes. maybe you don't burn and, you know, maybe the you don't have the fatigue and all of that stuff. But, you know, internally, it is definitely, you know, leaving its mark. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's like, what, at least for two years, you have scar tissue continuing to um, develop. So, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, I mean, a nasty I, little bugger. <laughs> and I would think even longer than that because I've had to have multiple reconstructive surgeries as a result mm. of the, the impact from radiation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. I have to get, I have the, my foobs that I have in are <laughs> the textured ones. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and they're underneath the pectoral muscle and now they do the reconstruction over the pec. And right. so... I'm considering mostly for, um, to help me deal with some of the ongoing pain and then, uh, weakness issues that Mm -hmm. happen because I have something shoved up underneath my pecs. Um, but you know, it's that double-edged sword of the side that, and you know, if you've had multiple, I can't imagine, but that side that was radiated, the skin there, you know, they're like, we, we will do it, but you need to realize that if it doesn't go well, you could lose that implant altogether. Right. Um, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I know that they're doing, I know they're doing some different things. So I had mm-hmm. my latissimus muscle taken off and pulled around. Okay. Um, yes. Oh which, my God. Yeah. yeah. Like I, if I had known mm-hmm. that, you know, just structurally what that does to your body, right. I definitely would not have done that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I was in a different stage of my life. I was, you know, was yes. single. I wasn't married. And all I kept thinking about was, you know, who is going to love me? Like if I, I know if right. I'm damaged, yeah. who's going to love me? Like if I don't have a yeah. breast, who's going to like, you know, that's where yes. I was. Um, yeah. But I've heard that they have started taking um, if if people are can you know, if somebody is a candidate for it, but just fat from different parts of the body to kind of recreate that mound. 
Yeah, um, right. Like the deep, then those, those scare me. <laughs> well, not, like not necessarily even the muscles from the, the deep, belly. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Like legit fat from, hmm. yeah, there was, um, um, like blanking on her name, but I almost feel like it's Melissa. Um, okay. She had come on and, um, she was telling me about fat because I was trying to conceptualize it as well and was thinking, yes. oh, like it's, you know, the, the deep flap or the lat flap. And no, yes. it was actual fat tissue that they were taking from different parts of her body to recreate that mound. Oh my gosh. And so she didn't have to worry about all the yes. um, muscle damage. Oh exactly. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. That's something to consider as yes. I'm like kind of verging on trying to make this decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard decision. I mean, that's, yeah. a, you know, it's, it's definitely not easy. And I know that there are people out there that are just like, oh, but she has to do it, <laughs> you know, right, and, right. And, you know, it's like, yeah, well, we get that. But also at the same time, there are so many levels of complications that go along with, you know, breast mm -hmm. cancer and reconstruction yes. and, you know, all of yeah. that stuff. So exactly. Yeah. And it's very personal how people wind through that decision. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to know the new techniques. I will have to look into it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, at this point, I mean, you never were on any kind of um, medication in exactly. terms of, you know, because that it, it's not. You know, it won't do anything is, for my yeah. form. Yeah. yeah. It's really the, the chemo, the surgeries, and then the radiation that um, that they focus on. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's one of those things where um, it's a little bit of that double-edged sword, right? You know, on one hand, uh, some of the side effects that come with those you know, benefit extending drugs like tamoxifen and the AIs, it's like, oh, God, you know, comes with a lot of potential side effects that yeah, they're scary are yeah so you know them like there's a part of me that's sort of relieved to not have that but then it also means that there's you know beyond like taking good care of myself there's not much I can do to influence right. whether or not it will return but you know yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I didn't do chemotherapy. I actually okay. elected to do a clinical trial instead. Okay. Um, just because of where I fell on the Oncotype DX testing. Yes, and, right. Um, you know, I was kind of in the intermediate range for recurrence and they didn't have information. And so I said, yes. you know, sign me up for a clinical trial. And I was randomized to only tamoxifen and not chemotherapy. Okay. Um, but I have that same kind of, you know, feeling like, Oh, you know, did I miss out on something? <laughs> you right. know, put down the side effects. Right. Like, yeah. So I, I had those same, um, that same experience. Yeah, and I think it's that piece of like, you can always find something. You know what I mean? In terms of like, because it's that coping with uncertainty piece. Did I do enough? Do I, you know, yeah. yada yada yada? And I think, you know, in terms of like the ongoing health and wellness, part of it is learning to sort of surf those fears, to, to process your story, to, to move through it in order to feel some level of comfort, um, rather than feeling preoccupied by the what ifs. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't want to live in the what if world too long. No. <laughs> it's not a good space. Not a good space. No, um, it's not. <laughs> so, 
you know, I did talk, um, you know, at the intro that you are an art therapist. Um, yes. So let's talk a little bit about that, um, you know, because I, I think that's a pretty interesting, um, you know, career within itself, quite honestly. I yes. Have, I don't have very much um, artistic ability in my body. Um but with guidance, I'm sure that I would do fine. <laughs> Definitely. You're like yeah. my favorite person to turn on to art therapy because it's it's the people who are like, I'm not creative at all. And I'm like, hold, stop. Like, this isn't about producing a Monet. This is actually finding a way to communicate and translate your experience from internal to external. And so um, it's super fun working with people who are like, I'm not creative at all because then (laughs) they look back and it's like when you have an emotional connection to something you've created because it's trying to tell a piece of your story, it's powerful, you know, and um, it can be a little scribble on paper, but the energy that it holds is remarkable um, and very healing. So, yeah, so I became an art therapist in part because I had been a caregiver for my mom in my 20s when she had metastatic breast cancer. And afterwards, you know, you're you're obviously really devastated and lost by losing someone you love to this illness. And so um, I hadn't really thought that I'd become a therapist. Uh, My mom was a therapist, although she was a talk therapist, not an art therapist. But I found an art therapy program at Lesley University in Massachusetts. And so it was um, deeply healing for me uh, to work through that loss as I learned how to support others using creativity. Um, So it was incredible. It really, really helped me move through that and then um, became my own healing tool to help myself process the breast cancer experience um, once I was ready to do that. So I love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, you know, first of all, kind of thinking um, many times when we think about like what our parents do, Yes, especially as like talk therapists. I mean, right. My parents are not talk therapists, but I would imagine, I mean, I'm in psychology in general. So, you know, just thinking like, you know, that's one of those things that I feel like many people would not be so like, hey, let's jump on this train. Right. Um, Right. You know, and especially like in your 20s. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um. So, but I love the fact that, you know, you, you kind of took this experience and, Mm -hmm. you know, found something that not only helped you work through, number one, the loss of your mom. Yes. But also helped you work through your own breast cancer experience. Yes. And then on top of that has allowed you to help other people through their experience. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it is like, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about the different um, moments of um, healing that I've observed with clients, both like one-on-one and then in groups. You know, the largest group that I've done so far to date was uh, last year, I was invited to be a featured speaker at Living Beyond Breast Cancer's metastatic conference. And so I was doing um, a workshop towards the 
as a part of the conference on how to use, you know, creativity and art for coping, but they invited me to help kick off the event. So I did something what I call a cellular meditation with 300 women. And what it was is we used the mandala to kind of sit with, because this is so important when you think about healing emotionally from cancer. We both have to find a way to sit with what is, like what is my reality in this moment? How am I feeling inside? How can I describe that? Because when we come to a place of um, compassion and awareness and acceptance, then we can begin the transformation process. You can't really get to transformation if you haven't sat with what what you're dealing with. Um, so the first mandala that we did was sort of representing how they felt inside their body at that particular time. And then the second mandala was like, how would you like to respond to what you see on paper? And um, I've done that a number of times since then too, but it was really pretty amazing (laughs) to see what people came up with, you know, because I think about it's like, it can feel so overwhelming to connect with your body after a cancer diagnosis. Oh, 100%. So I was like, I was like, well, how about we just start with one cell, (laughs) you know, and build from there. Like, how can we make this feel as easy and small, you know, because small, small steps in a person's physical, emotional, mental recovery, spiritual recovery is how you get to the good stuff, right? It's not like massive gestures. It's that moment to moment showing up, um, that really gets you somewhere good. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think it's, um, I mean, I think it's great work. Um, yeah, I think it is, you know, obviously, I don't know you outside of having this conversation right. with you. I don't know your mom, but I think right. about the experience that she had and the experience that you had mm-hmm. really, truly was a gift that Yo, definitely. allowed you to come into where you are today. It's such a gift because let me like, this was the thing like, so she had breast cancer twice. Like the first time she was diagnosed, I was 19 and then she was re-diagnosed when I was 25. Um, you know, so I was in college when she was first diagnosed. And so we kept in touch by phone, but she was a, you know, a true mom. She's like, go do you, like <laughs> I'm going through treatment, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and that was totally appropriate for what she needed at the time and what I needed at the time. But I remember in between the two diagnoses, there's just one offhanded comment that she made one time telling me still how afraid she felt. And it blew my mind, right? Because it was like treatment was over. This is obviously before we knew it came back, but she seemed healthy. She looked like herself, you know, and it was like those hidden wounds that unless you've been there, you have no idea exist. Absolutely. And so like posthumously, like once I got through treatment and I had been, you know, like I did the whole online Facebook thing with the Young Survival Coalition and then the Triple Negative Sisters. So I had, that was sort of the space that I went for education and understanding of what to expect. And so I had definitely started reading like, 
you know, oh my God, life after treatment, you know, if you're first of all, privileged enough to get there, you know, hearing about those holes. And then I remembered that conversation with my mom and I was like, okay, she did a lot of healing, but she never really solved that nut of how to not live in fear. And so it was kind of both informational, but also really helped me get focus after treatment of like, how do I leave no stone left behind? Like I want to be, live as free as I can physically, emotionally, spiritually, despite what the future holds, you know? And so I was super grateful for everything that I learned from her and it made me feel more connected to her having breast cancer. And that was kind of one of those surprise, like touchstone moments of like, you know, you miss her so much and it's like, well, this is kind of a funky way to feel connected (laughs) to you. But like, I'm really glad, you know, and the thing is, is that she passed away, but my aunt, her older sister, who does not have the BRCA gene, she's alive 30 plus years from her cancer diagnosis, has never had a recurrence of any form of cancer. Wow. You know, and so like she was able to be there for part of my experience. And I definitely feel it's connected us in ways that, you know, no, very few other family members really understand. Yeah. 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 (laughs) No. Yeah. 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 I, I, 100% 100% would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely exactly. not a connection that people can relate to unless they've been through that. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, obviously, um, you know, I don't, well, at this point, I don't know. Are you doing yeah. teletherapy? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I okay. am. So my, um, I, so I offer different, you know, kind of individual coaching practices, I definitely have in the works. So I'm writing um, an art therapy book specific for breast cancer survivors, um, which I'm really excited about. I'm planning on looking for a publisher, all that sort of good stuff. Um, And from that book, I have a group experience that I'm hoping to roll out um, maybe this coming fall that would be all virtual. and then I work with people in my local community too, of course. So that's awesome. So if somebody was interested, um, yes. they're looking, how would they find you? Um, so I have a website. My business that's cancer specific is called Creative Transformations. So basically it's creative-transformations.com. And from there, people can um, sign up, you know, for the whole mailing list piece or they can call me or they can email me directly. That sort of information is all available from the website. I am, you know, I do have a presence on Facebook and Instagram, although because I've been doing so much writing, I haven't been doing as much with that, but that's definitely places that anytime I'm offering, whether it's a one-off like the psychology of cancer webinar that I've done or, you know, a group programming or even just, I've written like, I don't know, over a hundred blogs wow. <laughs> on my <laughs> website. So like, there's like lots, yeah, of, lots of good information. information. Yeah. 
and I have a free assessment, self-assessment tool that people can use to sort of begin to understand. Because it's hard to it's hard to make progress if you're struggling to understand exactly how you've been affected. So there, there's a free tool that people can sign up for um, as well and then use that you know, either to work off on their own or bring it into a therapist's office or work with me or whatever. So there's lots of different, lots of different little goodies on that website. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Well, I love the work that you're doing. Um, I think it's so important and I genuinely have appreciated our time together. So I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story, sharing your mom's story and, um, you know, talking a little bit about you know, where it led to you, led you to. So yeah. Thank, thank you. you so much. It's always lovely to connect with a fellow cancer survivor. And I really do appreciate being on today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of behind the pink ribbon. Don't forget to rate review and subscribe. If you or anyone, you know, would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behind the pink Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at BehindThePinkRibbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.